jumping into the Word of God. We're so glad to see some good folks here. We see Kevin Hawkinsmith. God bless you, Brother Hawkinsmith. So good to see you. We see Sasha Barnhart. God bless you, Sister Sasha. Amen. So good to see uh, good friends. Amen. And we love the family of the Lord. And uh, we had a great time this past Sunday in the house of the Lord. God did some wonderful things in our midst. Amen. And uh, we're looking forward to this Sunday. Uh, we will be having our annual one service on Sunday night. It's going to be a tremendous time uh, this Sunday night. On Sunday morning, uh, we typically, well, we started last year uh, where we uh, would be alternating pulpits as pastors, Pastor Brian and Pastor Ellis and myself. This year, there's been a change of schedule, and we will not be doing that, so the pastors will be in their respective pulpits on that on that, this coming Sunday morning, and so. Uh, but we will be joining together on Sunday night for the one service. It's going to be a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And uh, we're looking forward to it greatly. And uh, but we're looking into the Word of the Lord tonight, uh, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, speaking on the subject of redeeming the time redeeming the time and uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about time uh, and and its power how many know that time is a powerful force time is a powerful force uh, it's so powerful I'm maybe thinking of it in in uh, unique terms uh, as it would relate to me because my Baby turned 18 years old today. That just blows my mind. I, I thought I was 18 until I found out she turned 18. I thought, what in the world is going on? And, uh, man, you talk about a wake-up call. And uh, I just, it just had to shake my head. I mean, I knew it was coming. I saw it on the calendar. Knew it was on its way. Had plenty of time to brace myself. And then it just smacked me right square on the forehead when it arrived. And, um, and so time is a, it's an amazing force, and, and, and it, and it ha takes its toll, and it takes its toll on our, on our uh, bodies, it takes its toll on our minds, it takes its toll on our families, on our uh, friendships, it takes its toll on our relationships. Uh, if you're taking, if you see an annual photograph, of a family, you inevitably will see uh, people who who fall out of the photograph and folks who come into the photograph, uh, because time is such a powerful force. It changes the landscape of everything. There are words that once were poignant and made a lot of sense that don't make a lot of sense today, and words that that are being used now that some of us are completely, uh, uh, we don't even know what they mean. And so you just ask your kids or your grandkids and they'll be happy to let you know, keep you up to, up to speed on what this or that means. And uh, I was explaining to uh, my daughters and uh, some of their friends the other day about what a, a beeper is, a pager and uh, they were they were trying to grasp this concept of a which which I remember being a pretty a pretty high tech little gadget, and I remember when my buddy got a beeper and I didn't have a beeper and I was not too pleased about that, 
And uh, he was walking around with his big fancy beeper on his belt. And I thought, man, why he get a beeper and I don't have a beeper? And now nobody even knows what a beeper is anymore. And, uh, and so it's just the effects of time. And so, so it's important for us to understand that this force, if, if it's not managed and if it's not harnessed and understood and utilized and redeemed, I'll use that word. That's a good, strong Bible application, redeemed. It's important to redeem the time. Uh, amen. Put, the t- put time under the blood of Jesus Apply the blood of Jesus to time. And so we're going to talk about time and uh, particularly redeeming the time. Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse 14. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. We're just going to read a little bit here to give us an idea of where time comes from. It's important to know that time is a creation. God created time. Just like he created man, just like he created woman, just like he created uh, the animals, just like he created plants, he created time. And, and we see that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and Years, So time enters the picture in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. Time enters the picture. Now, uh, time was not to have the devastating effect upon mankind that it eventually had because mankind was not intended to be subject to death, the law of death. And man became subject to the law of death when man fell to the temptation in the Garden of Eden and, and abdicated the blessing of God in man's life to the serpent, to the prince of the power of the air, to the, the lowercase God of this world. And so that's when death began to rule and reign from Adam to Moses. But time was in place. It just simply was not to have the devastating impact upon man. Man was not to become controlled by time as we are. We were to have dominion over every creation, every part of creation, including time. And you see uh, snippets of that dominion uh, step into uh, even the fallen earth. You know, we can operate in the dominion that God ordains for us through the power of God. We can do that. That's what we do when we overcome our flesh. We're operating in that dominion that God grants us by his Holy Spirit. We see that happen in the story of Joshua. Fighting, the, uh, uh, fighting with the Gileadite, Gibeonites. And the scripture says that he commanded the sun to stand still. And, and a whole day froze. Time ceased to march forward. And, and you see in that Joshua exercising a dominion over time similarly to the way Moses exercised dominion over the Red Sea. Elijah and Elisha and Joshua exercised dominion over the Jordan River. Peter uh, 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 exercised dominion over the waters as he walked upon them. This happens through the power of God. And so we see that Joshua did this. This also happened in the life of the prophet Isaiah, when Hezekiah the king was going to die, 
and didn't want to die. And he turned his face to the wall and cried unto the Lord. And the Lord heard his cry. And the sign that he would not die at that time, but that he would be given 15 more years, was that the sundial would go back uh, 10 degrees. And so, so this was, again, an exercise of authority over this creation called time. So time is a creation. It was put into the, into the matter of God's creation as he orchestrated and ordered it in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. Man was to have dominion over it. He was not to be subjected to it, not to be uh, taken control uh, or, or have it to have control over him. But when sin entered the picture, man became a subject to all of this earth. Time even the animal kingdom has dominion over man that the animal kingdom didn't used to have over man. And, and we think we've done a, a good job of taming the animal kingdom. I remember when I was in Alaska and uh, they had me at this nice little cabin and down the way was the Kenai River. And I said, hey, I got a little time in the afternoon between services. I think I like to go down to the Kenai River and go fishing. Just say, hey, I was fishing in Alaska on the Kenai River. That sounds cool. And they said, oh, sure, well, that'd be fine. Uh, they said, well, sure, we can get you a gun. I said, wait, I just use a pole and a hook. That's all I need. And they said, well, no, that's not all you need in Alaska because you may go fishing for fish and come out with a bear. So they said, we're going to have to get you the right equipment if you're going to go fishing in Alaska. So the reason I would need a gun is because we don't quite have the dominion now that God intended man to have. And, 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 and what I mean by that is that, that man is subject to the wild life in a way that he didn't used to be subjected to it. This is why you don't want to go swimming with the gators. You don't want to go swimming with the sharks. This is, there is a dominion that man in a fallen earth that he does not have as he used to have. And so... So time is one of those things. It, 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 it was there from the beginning, and it was given. The stars in the sky, the lights in the firmament of the heaven, were to divide the day from the night. They were to be for signs, for seasons, for days, for years. But as you know, that God is going to wrap this whole thing up. And somebody said, Amen. God is going to take us into His glorious presence. He's going to deliver us from everything that fell, everything that broke, everything that was cursed, everything that, that was devastated by the sin of mankind. God is going to deliver us from it and has already finished the work through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we await his return. Amen. But from the book of Revelation, we see something interesting occur. As you look at the book of Revelation, you see a tumultuous upheaval of, of events. Creation begins to, as the apostle Paul would say, groan in earnest expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation begins to groan as we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why there's a hurricane threatening to come up onto the shores of Texas as we speak. That's why there are earthquakes in diverse places. That's why there are volcanoes and there are tornadoes, these blizzards. These are natural disasters, but it's because the earth has, has, is under the wrong kind of 
of uh, dominion. It's earnestly anticipating the manifestation of the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. And so, so when you look at the book of Revelation and you see all of this cataclysmic, uh, these cataclysmic occurrences, this is the earth coming into the, the very throes of convulsions as it is waiting for the ultimate authority to come. And, and we see in the book of Revelation chapter 10 how God begins to conclude the work as it were. And he begins to prepare for a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And all of the old stuff is going to be passed away. And he's going to give, make all things new. Amen. So Revelation chapter 10 and verse number 5 Revelator says it this way, The angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth. That's dominion language. The angel had one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth. This is dominion speak. Lifted up his hand to heaven, swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. That there should be time no longer. There's going to come a day when time as we know it shall cease. So we know it as as we saw in the book of Genesis, we know it as seasons, as times, as signs, as days, as years. That's how we know time. And because of our sinful nature, we are brutally uh, subjected to time. And, and the, the cruelty of time uh, takes its toll. But, but, but there's coming a day when time shall be no longer. And yet we are still in a position where we are dealing with time. So this study, the purpose of this study, is simply going to be about how do we deal with time. This isn't something to play games with. You don't need to waste it. Anybody ever been guilty of wasting time? How about killing time? Amen. But the Bible tells us to redeem the time. To redeem the time. Subject time to the blood of Jesus Christ. Time can wreak havoc upon our minds and cause us to lose faith and to lose hope. And it ought not to be. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise this means know what's going on walk circumspectly that means have eyes all around your head like your teacher used to have redeeming the time because the days are evil redeeming the time because the days are evil and uh, and this is where we want to talk there is an ability of the child of God to redeem the time to where time does not have the spiritual impact upon us that, that the enemy would like for it to have. I have seen time rob people of the joy God wants them to experience. 
I've seen time uh, uh, steal from people that precious hope of tomorrow as they become subjected to the, to the awful effects of time. And there are various ways that this can happen. We're going to talk about it. Time is composed of three parts, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. We call them tenses, past tense, present tense, future tense. Each one of these uh, has a proper way to approach it. And each one of these has an improper way we could approach it. Both, all three, the past, the present, the future, you can either approach them from the perspective of the flesh or you can approach them from the perspective of the spirit. So we're going to talk about the correct way to approach past, present, and future. Everybody say, learn from the past. Now say, but don't live in it. It is very important to get this right because a lot of times people, if they're not approaching it from the perspective of faith, they can unintentionally live in the past. Well, well, they're not really living in the past because that's not possible. Let's face it. It's simply impossible to live in the past. So this is what the enemy would like to do. He would like to frustrate us to a point of, 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 of really driving us mad with the idea that we can somehow go back in time to a better time, to when things were easier in our minds. And we do tend in our minds to romanticize things that once were. It's just the way that we do. When you get past it, you many times forget about the uh, challenges that, that so frustrated you in that moment. If you were to be dropped right back dab into the middle of those circumstances then you might remember all the emotion and all of the pain and all of the feelings that you had forgotten about. And sometimes it's easy to look back on it and say, oh, now those were the good old days. We used to have a book that said, the good old days, they were terrible. And it, descri and it described the living conditions of the 18th and 19th century in America and the more you read it, the more you realize, man, that really wasn't such a great time after all. There were certain things that were good, but there were certain things that were so challenging. The important thing to remember and to understand is that you live where you live. You live in the time in which you live. You are here in this moment. You cannot go back in the past and live in the past. You can't do it. And so you're comprised of three parts as a being. You are body, soul, and spirit. If you try to live in the past, then your soul and your spirit will attempt in vain to go back to the past. And you will live in continual frustration because your body will never be able to join them. So you live in this suspended state of complete frustration because you can't change where your body is and your soul and your spirit are stuck back in a time. It might even be a time where 
you don't even you didn't even live in that time. I was talking to somebody and the, the hypothetical question came up. If you had to choose an era in which to live, which would it be? And they said the 1950s or the dinosaur age. I had never heard that one before. I thought, oh well, now that's interesting. I don't know that that'd be a good good time to live in. I just just don't quite think it would be. But but we romanticize certain things. And we think in terms of, of how something might be and we sensationalize it. But the fact of the matter is you cannot go back in the past. You cannot live in the past. But here is what you can do with the past. This is a way to redeem the past. You can learn from the past. You can understand it. As a matter of fact, we have a responsibility to understand the past. Past is not something just because we don't live in it, just because we shouldn't live in it, and we shouldn't dwell on it in the way of, of wishing we could go back, hoping we could go back. This frustrates our spirit. This frustrates our mind. And, and it's something that can never be possible. So, so this becomes a difficulty for us. But the way that we can approach and should approach the subject of past tense is to learn from the past. We have a responsibility to know history. We have a responsibility to teach history. We have a responsibility to discuss history and to describe history. It is important to know where we come from, to know what happened, to understand what went right, what went wrong, because those who, as they say, fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat the history. And so this is a very true thing. I want to turn your attention to the book of Psalms, the 44th Psalm, and we're going to begin reading at the first verse. This was something very, very important in Israel. God made it clear that the children of Israel were to pass along to the next generation the stories, hallelujah, the stories of God's deliverance. The, the, the stories of what God had done. These were not fairy tales. These were not fables. These were actual events. These were historical accounts that would lift them up in times of great distress. And they could rehearse these from one generation to the next. And it was so that they were to carry it on through oral tradition, telling the story. And they were also supposed to carry it on by reading the law of God on an annual basis and rehearsing it in the ears of the people, letting them know what the Lord had given to Moses in the mountain. Psalm 44, verse 1, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. See, if multiple generations pass along in this land of promise, there's a temptation, and we see it in the United States of America, there's a temptation to start thinking, hey, we did this thing. This is our doing. We're here because we're so smart. We're here because we're so able. We're here because we have such ability. And he said, no, you got to keep telling the story because it wasn't by your own sword and it wasn't by your own arm. But my right hand 
and thine arm and the light of thy countenance because thou hadst a favor unto them. It was the right hand of God. It was the arm of God. It was the light of God's countenance that favored the children of Israel. From the book of Judges, the second chapter, we referenced this a few nights ago, but I think it's one of the most telling passages of Scripture that you'll find in the Word of the Lord. You know about the backslidings of Israel. The book of Judges is replete with the tale of the backslidings of Israel, how that Israel would serve the Lord one generation and then backslide. As soon as a deliverer passed off the scene, they'd go right back to worshiping some ungodly idol. And so God would have to give them up unto affliction again. And they would, they would go back into idolatry. They'd go back into bondage. Bondage always follows sin. They'd go into sin and then they'd go into bondage. That's how it works. Before you start enjoying the pleasures of sin, you better understand sin will always result in bondage. You will come under the whip of a taskmaster in your life if you give your heart over to sin. It will happen. And this is what would happen routinely to Israel. And we see in the book of Judges, the second chapter, verse number one, an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and brought you unto the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides and their gods shall be a snare unto you and it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept and they called the name of that place Bochum and they sacrificed there unto the Lord they were called to a place of repentance and when Joshua had let the people go the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Folks, I want to just stop here and say, you and I have got to have a relationship with God that is deeper than what Joshua the Joshua's in our life have in terms of if Joshua's on the scene or not on the scene we're still going to serve the Lord if the elders are around or if the elders are not around we're still going to serve the Lord you can't base your walk with God upon a person or a personality your relationship has to be with the Lord himself he's your father I said he's your father Hallelujah. That's why, that's why we don't call the pastor father. Because I'm not your father. You and I have the same father. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So our relationship is with him. It's not via me. It's not via another minister. It's not via the elders. It's with him. 
So that when Joshua passes off the scene and the elders pass off the scene, our relationship with God is still intact. But Israel failed to to demonstrate that. And so the scripture says they served the Lord while Joshua lived. And then Joshua passes off the scene, but there were still the elders who served with Joshua. And that was That was good enough to keep their feet to the fire. And they served the Lord as long as those elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Heres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them hear this which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel now these are this is this is I I believe this is multi-layered I really do because this is look what's being said here this generation rose up and they did not know God and and not only did they not know God but they did not know the works which he had done for Israel. I told you Sunday night as I referenced this that I made sure I wanted my children to know their history. When Anna was, she turned 18 today, she was, uh, had just turned five years old and she went with me to preach in uh, Champaign, Illinois. And uh, I, we were in Kokomo, Indiana at the time. It was just about four, three or four months before we moved to Cincinnati. And uh, I went to preach in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. And uh, I was going to preach Friday night um, and Sunday morning. And so we did. And she went with me. And it was just the two of us. She was five. And while we were driving over, I just felt impressed of the Lord to tell her everything I could tell her about her heritage. Everything. I told her everything. I told her about great-grandpa Urshan and the... Russian army. I told her about uh, great grandpa Urshan being saved from an axe murderer who came, who was licensed to kill him and, and sent to kill him rather. And, and, uh, and then uh, told her about grandma and grandpa Urshan going down in a plane crash. And grandma jumped up and shouted, Jesus! And the plane fired back up. And, and, and they got off the plane, and grandpa went to book the other ticket because they had to make an emergency landing. And some businessmen followed him and said, are you with the lady who yelled Jesus? And he said, yes, that's my wife. They said, we want to be on your plane. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I, I told her about dad, the man falling out in the aisle, dead of a heart attack. And he had been dead for 30 minutes. And the paramedics came and, and they pronounced him dead. And before they could take him, Dad said, we're going to pray one more time. And he laid hands on him. And the man came back to life right there in the middle of that sanctuary and lived seven more years. And, and, and I, want, I wanted her to know the story. I don't want it to die. I don't, want it, I don't want to just know it and have it up here. And then when I'm gone, it's gone. I want my children to know and understand that, hey, God is real. He's real in my soul. This isn't a fairy tale we're talking about. We're not coming to church because it's a nice little routine to get involved with. We place our faith in him. We place our trust in him. He's worthy of our praise. That's why we praise him. He's worthy of our praise. Our praise. 
Hallelujah. And I want them to get it. I want them to get it in their heart. And so the whole way to Urbana, Illinois, we talked about it. We went into service, had a good service. And on Saturday, we had a day to, to rest. And we talked more about it. And she started asking questions. Tell me more and tell me more. So I started thinking about everything I could think of. Every, every story I'd ever heard and everything I ever saw and witnessed. And, and, and the whole weekend was filled with these stories. And Sunday morning... We had church, and we left Sunday morning and drove back to Kokomo where there was a Sunday night service where Brother Ray and Sister Karen Perry were preaching. And they've been gifted in their ministry with helping people pray through to the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget standing on the platform in Kokomo, Indiana, and somebody came and got me at the end of the service. Sister Perry had taken those who wanted the Holy Ghost into a separate room And they said, we want you to come because Anna is speaking in other tongues. Amen. 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 You remember that night, Sister Enos, I walked back there, Sister Enos and Sister Heidi were there praying with Anna. And she spoke in tongues fervently, fluently, I mean powerfully. And as I stood there, it, it, it dawned on me. There's something that happens when the heart is made tender. Hallelujah. When you open up the heart of an individual and pour in the testimony of the righteous. And let them know the power and the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Tell the story. Know the history. Know the goodness of God. How wonderful he is. What he saved us from. What he delivered us from. You don't have to live in the past. You shouldn't live in the past. But you do need to learn from the past. Amen. So what do we do with the present? What do we do with the present? What do we do with the present? Because here's the thing, folks. There's a a right way to approach the present. And there's a a wrong way to approach the present. Here's the wrong way to approach the present. Live for the moment. Everybody say live for the moment. Forget about the consequences. Who cares what tomorrow holds? All that matters is right now. How I feel right now. What I'm craving right now. What I want right now. This is a, this is a snare of the devil. This is a temptation of the enemy to wreak havoc on your soul. To get into your mind and mess you up. And to mess up the plan that God has for your life. And to mess up the, the road that God is trying to lead you down. Don't fall for it. There's a right way to approach the present. To approach the moment. And this is the right way. You don't live for the moment. But you do live in the moment. Live in the moment. Don't worry about the past. Stop trying to live in the past. You can't go back. Lord have mercy. Every time I play basketball, I remember I can't go back. I want to go back, but I can't go back. I got to live in the moment. The moment in basketball for me is both feet planted on the ground. Hopefully I can block somebody's shot. In fact, they they got me playing at the camp, youth camp this year. Playing basketball, and I was not wanting to do it. They talked me into it. I played, and, uh, and I remember one of those kids. Man, these kids are so fast. I mean, they're fast. I, and and I, I was doing everything I 
used to do, and it just wasn't good enough. And uh, one of them, though, came down the baseline, and he went up for a, a little mini jumper, mid-range jumper, and I had him. I mean, this was, this was cake. This was like eating cake. And I, I, I jumped with him off the ground, and I extended my arm, and I was going to block his shot. And then when I reached the point at which I couldn't go any further, he kept going higher and higher. And I said, no, wait, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? That's not how this goes. But I can't go back. Got to live right where I am. Got to live in this moment. And so, so it's important to live in this moment. And, and, and the reason that it's important to live in this moment is that there's power in living in the moment. Now, let me, let me tell you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Every spiritualist tries to achieve living presently. The New Age mystics try to achieve living in the moment. They write materials on living in the now, living in the moment. The New Age mystics. Now listen to me. The New Age mystics have been trying to steal God's principles for a long time. And claim them as self-enlightenment. You ever heard of the word trance? That's a scary word, trance. It's a Bible word. It's Acts chapter 10. It's what Peter was in, concentrated on the glory of God when he received understanding of what he was to do in the house of Cornelius. Trance isn't a New Age mystic word. It's, it doesn't belong to the mystics. It belongs to the saints. And it isn't to exalt self. It's to exalt God. The word meditation, now the New Age mystics tried to take the word meditation to focus on self-enlightenment. But that's a, that's a Bible word. The scripture says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. It doesn't belong to the mystics, it belongs to the saints. Hallelujah. And it isn't to exalt self, it's to exalt God. Living in the moment is not something that should derive power from oneself. We don't just live in the moment, okay? Hear me. We live in Christ. And when you live in Christ, you will live victoriously in the moment. Now, now the mystics will try to tell you, live in the moment. You can achieve it on your own. That's witchcraft. But when you live in Jesus Christ, you know who he is? Let me remind you who he is. He's the great I am now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation and today is the accepted time this is what the bible teaches us listen to the listen to the now language of the scriptures i go to prepare a place for you that where i am that's now language there you may be. That's now language. Being is now language. That's, that's what you are. You are a being. That's what I am. I'm a being. We, that's what we do. We, we be. We are in a position of being. And when we try to go there to the past, we cease to be where we need to be. And when we try to go forward into the future and fast forward past what we're going through now, that's we're stepping outside of where we're supposed to be. We are to be in Jesus Christ. 
And when you're in Jesus Christ, you don't have to go live in the past to have joy. When you're in Jesus Christ, you don't have to go into the future to have peace. You can stand right where you are. Ooh, hallelujah. Come on, I don't care where it is. In a hospital waiting room, you can stand right where you are and have peace. Because I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm in this moment in Christ. I'm in this. Listen, I may be in, I may be in court. I might be in the throes of some horrible sickness. I might be dealing with some difficult family crisis. But when I'm in Christ, I don't have to go rewind back to before the family crisis started to have peace I can have peace right now that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee you know where God is he's here he's now what's your name I am glory hallelujah that's where he is so I mean Job went forward and couldn't find him Job went backward. He wasn't there. Went to the left hand. Nope. Now, he usually works on the left hand. He's not there. Go to the right hand. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Tried in the fire. John the revelator said, he which was, he which is to come, but he which is. Right now. The almighty God. Hallelujah. Scripture doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd. The Lord was my light. Hallelujah. That's, that's not what the scripture The Lord is my light. The Lord is my shepherd. Now you might be thinking in terms of he was. I remember when he used to be my shepherd and when he used to be my light. But that's because you've positioned yourself outside of Christ. If you'll just abide in Christ, he'll still be your shepherd. He'll still be your light. He'll still be your salvation. This is how you deal with time. Don't let time bully you. Don't let time push you around. Your best days are behind you. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. You have dominion over that kind of thinking. Listen, as a child of God, it's impossible for your best days to be behind you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody, somebody asked me, are you afraid of becoming a has-been? I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, that's kind of frightening. But, but then I remembered, you know what? It's not about me. So, so if, if, to say that I'm a has-been would suggest that at some point I, 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 that it was about me. But, but if I am in Christ, it's not about me. So I, I just assume never be a was and just be in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't care. I, don't, I, I want to crucify what was. I don't want to be a has-been. I don't want to be a ever-will-be. I just want to be in Jesus. Let him do the work. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hey, we can do all things, but not by our own power and not by our own might. It's by the Spirit of the Lord who said, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Glory to God. So we live in this moment, not because we have the power to live in this moment, but because we are positioned in Jesus Christ and he is in a perpetual moment. 
Glory to God. See, see, because he is from, the almighty God is from before the foundation of the world. See, he created time, so he's above time. So when I'm in him, I have access to his eternal power. And it's the eternal power that gives me victory in my circumstances. Oh, this peace, the reason it passes all understanding is because it's not of this earth. They can't, they can't find this under a microscope. They can't find this in a telescope. They'll never be able to locate this. This isn't flo floating through the airwaves. It's not of this earth. It's a peace that passes understanding because it comes from the presence and the glory of God. That's why in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forever. Hallelujah. So you, the, way that, the way that you live in the moment is not to discipline your mind and just, just focus so intently and get into some, listen, to get into some yoga pose and try to harness the energies of this earth. Come on, can I preach to somebody? That's not how you get into the moment. You get into the moment by getting into Jesus. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. So this is how we handle the present. And, and it's important. You know, we, we just came back from vacation. And, and the, the vacation is very important. And, and if, if you can take some time to try to, to, uh, to get away from your uh, regular routine so that you can vacate. That's where we get the word, vacate vacate and 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 what you're what you need to do is is remember the sabbath day to keep it holy that sabbath that rest that the bible is talking about is instructing you to take time to rest your body rest your mind rest your soul rest your spirit and and Get into the presence of the Lord and be at one with God. Let him refresh you. Let him restore you. Let him lift you up. Let him cleanse you. Hallelujah. Just be alone with God. That's so very, very important. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's important that you don't try to fast forward or rewind, but that you stand in his presence and let him minister to you body, soul, and spirit. Amen. So how do we focus on, on the present? We don't live for it, but we do live in it. Amen. How do we focus on the future? How do we redeem the time as it pertains to the future? Because the future is an interesting thing. Let me tell you something about the past and something about the future. The past does not exist anymore. It's past. It's gone. And as much as we want to, we can't go back and live in it. You can go back to buildings where you remember people and you have precious memories. But, but when you walk in, those people, whose, whose person, whose persons caused there to be such happiness... And cause there to be such a familiar feeling. They will have passed. They will have been gone. I, I was in St. Louis 
in Hazelwood, Missouri, next to the old UPCI headquarters building. And there sat my grandparents' house where we spent countless Christmases and Thanksgivings. And that house has such meaning to me. And, uh, and I, I, to me, it was just this amazing place where you, when you pulled up into that driveway and walked into that house, it just, it, the whole thing was just lit up with life. From grandma's perfume to whatever was cooking in the oven. And the music and the sounds of laughter and the, the faint chit-chat in various rooms. And you never knew with grandma and grandpa, you never knew who you were going to run into and from what country they'd be. And, and uh, it was just life, life, life. And that was, that's all I knew that place to be. And I went back, I was preaching in St. Louis. And every time I preach in St. Louis, I always take a little trip down memory lane. Y'all... Pray for me. I'm still working on this not living in the past thing. Y'all pray for me. I take this little trip down memory lane, and it's not the same place. They're not there. The laughter's gone. What was cooking in the oven isn't cooking in the oven anymore. Grandma's perfume isn't there. The house is, is it's... It's, it's right now it's standing vacant and so it's dilapidating and it's, it's been sold and they don't need it and so it's just who knows what will happen but man I never could have imagined that past is gone and future is not yet so neither is in existence what exists is right here right now live in this moment so how do you how do you Approach the future in a godly way and in an ungodly way. In an ungodly way, this is how you approach the future. You fret about it. You worry about it. Or you take it for granted. That's how you approach it in an ungodly way. Here's how you approach the future in a godly way. You plan for it. You pray over it. You put it into the hands of God. You get prepared, you do what is necessary to be prepared, and then you don't worry about it. Amen? That's how you approach You, How many have lost sleep over worrying about the future? I'll just be the first one. Confession time in the house of God. We've lost sleep. Over worrying about the future. When if we would let Christ center us in his great I am-ness. If we would let him center us in his great being of who he is. Then when we arrive at that moment about which we're worried. Everything will be alright. Everything will be alright. You know Psalm 23. There's a reason why we quote it at funerals and Gravesides, it is, the, it is the passage that prepares us and tells us about what happens when we pass away. That scripture, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's talking about dying and coming close to death. It's both deliverance from death and then deliverance into life, eternal. So when he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist is trying to tell us what happens when we pass away as saints of God. 
Listen to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, because I'm his child, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, death is an angel of death. So when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he's walking through the valley of the shadow. And the shadow cast over him is cast over him by this angel called death. But he fears no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Hallelujah. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. But don't worry about the day of your death. Because when that time comes, he will take you like a gentle good shepherd. And lead you to a table that has been prepared for you. You'll have nothing to fear, nothing to fear, nothing to fear. Don't worry about the future. Your future is in the hands of God. Put the future in his hands. Plan for it. Prepare for it. And stop worrying about it. In the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul tells us in this passage how to handle the past and how to handle the future. How to handle the past and how to handle the future. From the book of Philippians and the third chapter. He says it this way. Brethren, I count not myself... To have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Hallelujah. And I love, I love how he says it. Because he says one thing. And then he mentions two things. And in fact. He's, he's actually speaking still of only one thing. It looks like two things. But, but if you can do the one thing. All the other stuff follows. Okay. So he said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, once you really do that, now, folks, when you forget those things which are behind, that means forgiving, folks. You know what else it means? It means forgiving yourself. You know what else it means? It means putting those feelings of failure that you have under the blood of Jesus. All those feelings of regret you have, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. I should have done better. I, I should have done this. I should have putting all those feelings under the blood of Jesus, forgetting those things which are behind. And once you forget those things which are behind, there is this spiritual power, hallelujah, that comes from the presence of the Lord, and you reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Reach forth unto those things which are before. Hey, 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 you have so many good things to reach forth unto. You have so many good things. Don't let the things in the past that still gnaw at you, don't let them rob you of the beautiful things you have just within your reach. You have so much to live for. 
Well, I don't really see that, Pastor. Then get into the presence of the Lord because He'll show it to you. He'll reveal it to you. And, and He'll help you to forget those things which are behind. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, when we talk about being used to the Lord, so many times we think, well, my best days are behind me and God can't use me like He used to. Well, you know, God, God you're right. God's not going to use you like He used to use you uh, because He's got something new for you. Not less, new. New. He's not going to use me the way he used to use me because he's got something new for me. And so, so we, we, we understand it in that context. Now, now, here's the thing. When you look at the scriptures, when you look at the word of God, and you see the great way that the apostles were used of the Lord, I love it. Look at how they were used for God. Look at the Philippian jailer. It's, it's one little conversation the apostle Paul had with him. One little conversation. Now, God can use anybody in a conversation. And the man's whole house is saved. Look at Peter and Cornelius. Peter's just praying on the rooftop. And, and, and he was just talking with God. And what unfolded from there was absolutely miraculous and amazing. And so God's got something for you that you'll find in prayer meetings. God's got something for you that you'll find in conversations. God's got something for you that you'll find in the presence of the Lord. And you may not think they're much, but they're great in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Brother Enos, I go back to Aunt Patty, who drove by the house of that little boy sitting out in the front yard playing in Heron, Illinois. And he's just a, just a, a, a little kid uh, who's, who's just playing out in the front yard. And, and she just noticed him. He was out there on Sunday mornings. And she'd think, he, I, he should come to church. What a shame he's out there. I wonder if his parents would let him come to church. And so she said, I'm going to see if they will. She stopped, knocked on the door and said, I'd like to take your child to church with me. I'm a Sunday school teacher there. And I'll make sure that he gets to church and that he gets back home all right. And they let the little boy go. And this little boy who was in a home that was broken and who's, who's uh, suffering from alcoholism and whatnot. And this Sunday school teacher, Aunt Patty Enos, takes him to church, teaches him in Sunday school, became his youth leader. He was raised up in the Heron, Illinois church. And God called him to preach the gospel. Today... He is the global missions director of the United Pentecostal Church International. Brother Bruce Howell, who, who brought tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to God in El Salvador. I'm glad she didn't say, well, God can't use me like he used to use me. Because she under, could underestimate how meaningful it would be to just pick up one child and bring them to church. Can I tell you something? The little thing you do for God is great in the kingdom of God. It's great in the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's not a prophet among us right now who can calculate all that God is doing in our children's ministry as we speak. There's not a prophet among us who can correctly calculate all that God will use them to do in his kingdom and for his glory. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So how do we approach the past? 
We don't live in it, but we do learn from it. How do we approach the present? We don't live for it, but we do live in it. And how do we approach the future? We don't worry about it, but we do plan for it, reach forth unto it, and embrace it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many excited about tomorrow? We may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about it. He's got it all in his hands. He's got it all in his hands. Let's stand to our feet right now, clap our hands unto the Lord, and give him praise. Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise his name. Let's praise his name. Let's praise his name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Come what may, I'm going to serve the Lord. Regardless of what tomorrow holds, I'm going to serve the Lord. Whether Joshua or contemporaries of Joshua are here or there, I'm going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. How many made up their mind they're going to serve Jesus? I wonder if we could just lift up our hands all across this house. We're going to sing a little bit and let the presence of the Lord fill this chamber. Before we go tonight, I want you to ask God to bring perspective to your mind and to your heart right now. Let him erase fear in the name of Jesus. Let him erase fear right now in the name of Jesus. Let him erase any kind of ungodly sentiment, anything that would bring confusion, anything that would bring worry, anything that would bring distress. And just release it to the hands of God right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'm letting you have my past. I can't go back and change it. I can't go back and change what I used to do. I can't go back and change the effect that it had upon people. But I can forgive them. I can forgive myself. In the name of Jesus, I can march forward. I can go on. God, I'm not going to worry about my future. I'm not going to stress and be distressed. But Lord, I'm going to put it in your hands. And let you have your holy way. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's sing this song unto the Lord. To guide us through a place where you can cleanse us with your rain. Hallelujah. Baptize us once again. We thirst for you. We thirst for you. We search for you. Hallelujah. In a dry and barren land, we're longing for your hand to guide us to a place where you, hallelujah, can cleanse us with your rain, baptize us once again. We thirst for you. We thirst for you. We search for you in a dry and barren land, longing for your hand to guide us to a place where you 